With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast, episode number one. I am Eric Murtaugh, lead writer and editor for One Foot Down. We've been online for about four years now, uh, and especially within the last year or so, we've really tried to put together some sort of podcast. Um, This will be kind of a a beta version today. It'll just be me talking. In the future, uh, we'll have some of our writers come on, and we'll discuss some of the issues. Um, Hopefully within a few weeks we can get a more full version of this podcast going. But for now, um, today it's just me. Um, I wanted to thank SB Nation for allowing us to do this podcast and SoundCloud as well for hosting the podcast. Um, You may be thinking, well, what's going to be going on in this podcast? And obviously there will be a lot of football talk. We'll talk some basketball. Um, if it's appropriate, we might talk some other Irish sports. I know a lot of people are just primarily focused with football, but um, we really want to make an effort to shine the light on all of the Notre Dame sports, uh, especially the ones that are excelling, which is a lot of them these days at Notre Dame. Um, In the fall, things will change a little bit. Um, Hopefully we'll do a game review on Sunday and then We'll also have a preview of the next game coming up, and that podcast will be uploaded probably midweek. So hopefully we'll have that um, going on 12 times during the season or more. So today, um, since it's just me, I just wanted to talk about a few issues. Um, I'll talk about the NFL draft a little bit. Um, I'll look at Temple, the first game from next year, do a short little preview there. And I will wrap it all up with some recruiting talk because I know everyone loves it. So the draft just ended. I'm taping this on a Sunday. Uh, the draft just wrapped up on Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame had six players taken in the draft. First player taking was Tyler Eifert, the tight end. Um, he falls to 21st overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a pretty good... Um, Draft spot for him. I was a bit, I was a bit worried that he was going to fall the first round, but it was not so. I think it's a little bit of a weird spot for Eifert. Um, as soon as he got drafted, I wasn't really thinking the Bengals would be a landing spot, and I thought, well, doesn't don't the Bengals have Gresham? He was came out of Oklahoma about three years ago, 
and I was wondering maybe he was hurt or they had traded him or something, but they still have him on the roster, so it looks like they're going to be going to a lot of two tight end sets next year. Um, I know there was some talk. I was reading a couple of Bengal websites that they're not sure if they're going to be resigning Gresham next year. He's had a pretty good career. Um, he's caught a lot of passes, but I think the issue with him is he's not as much of a, a red zone touchdown machine that they probably think Eifert's going to be. So um, I would imagine Eifert's going to have a pretty strong uh, rookie season. Uh, I'm not really a huge fan of Andy Dalton at quarterback for the Bengals, but they have a pretty good offense shaping up with A.J. Green at wide receiver and now a couple of good tight ends. Um, I know the running game isn't really that great, but I'm sure they'll be throwing the ball a lot, and that'll probably mean a lot of catches and a lot of touchdowns for Eifert next year. Um, uh, Manti Tayo fell to the second round. Not a really huge surprise for anybody that wasn't trying to make it a big deal. Um, but as luck would have it, he falls to the Chargers with the sixth pick in the second round, 38th overall. Couldn't think of a better spot for him to fall to. Um, it looks like with their depth chart in San Diego, he'd probably be able to come right in and start in the middle. Obviously, he's about as close as he's going to get to Hawaii, and I'm sure uh, he has lots of friends and family and uh, a big Polynesian community in San Diego to support him. So um, it's been a pretty rough three or four months for Teo, but I think he's going to have a pretty pretty good NFL career we might be able to look back at these past few months and kind of laugh at how crazy they were for him. There were no Notre Dame players taken in the third, fourth, or fifth rounds. Um, not a huge surprise. Slaughter was the next Irish player off the board in the sixth round, 175th overall. He went to the Browns. That was a bit of a, a bit of a shocker. I think he was injured last year, missed the last, I think. 10 full games or 11 games and some change. Um, wasn't really able to do much uh, stuff in preparation for the draft, so it probably tells you the Browns liked him quite a bit. Uh, you know, He probably got lost a little bit with how well the 2012 Notre Dame defense played, but Slaughter was really good in 2011, and I think he could have a nice little NFL career. He'll bring some versatility to the Browns. He might be able to gain some weight and play a couple different positions. I think he'd be pretty good on special teams right away as well. Theo Riddick, he was the 31st pick in the sixth round, 199th overall. He gets picked by the Lions. Um, I think that's a really good landing spot for him, about as good of a spot as he could get. The Lions don't have a really good running game. Had a really terrible starter last year. Um who was not very productive. So I think Riddick, in combination with his his pass-catching pass ability, he's going to get right in there, and I think he's going to have a good shot to play next year. I don't think he'll probably be able to start right away, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's turning some heads and uh, getting some quality playing time. The next Notre Dame player off the board was Capron Lewis Moore. He went right after Riddick with a 200th pick. He goes to the Ravens. Again, another player that was injured. He was hurt in the national title game, but 
the feel-good story continues for him as he gets picked up by Baltimore, even though he wasn't able to work out or anything at the Combine or the Pro Day. I think that's a good spot for him as well. Uh, I don't think he'll be healthy for training camp. Well, he might be, but I don't think he's going to be 100% healthy uh, when the NFL season starts. But it might be a situation where he'll be able to to recover from his injury. Hopefully he'll get healthy. And then maybe in his second year or at the end of the this first year, he can get into the rotation. Um, the next player was – the last player, actually, was Zeke Mata. I didn't really think he would get drafted, but turns out he gets sneaks in there, seventh round, 38th pick of that round, 244th overall. I think in, that was the compensatory pick area. Uh, he goes to the Falcons. I don't know much about their secondary, but um, – I think overall with defensive backs, there's always a good chance that they could make make some waves and turn some heads and get some playing time, especially with special teams. And just generally it's a good good position to be if you want to make an NFL roster. So we'll see how things go with Mata. Elsewhere with the Notre Dame players, uh, it was a bit of a surprise to me. Sierra Wood didn't get drafted. Uh, he immediately signed a deal with the Houston Texans. It's just a pretty crazy past season for Sierra Wood. Came into this season with some Heisman buzz. Um, with a big, with a big 2012 season, he was in line to to break some some records at Notre Dame. If he had decided to come back for his fifth season, um, ultimately that didn't work out that way. He had the uh, drug suspension for the first two two games in the season. Uh, he came back strong against Michigan State. He had a pretty good year, I think, overall. Riddick played so well that we kind of took what Wood what, what, what did for granted, but um, overall, just really good career for him. I think he's seventh overall in rushing yardage in Notre Dame history, 5.4 yards per carry. No one has that high of a yards per carry ahead of him on that all-time list. Um, it's not going to surprise me if he has a really strong NFL career. I know there's a lot of uh, off-the-field issues or – Maybe they're blown out of proportion. Who knows? But um, I think talent-wise, he has what it takes to to do well in the NFL. We'll see how that goes for him. Some other players, Mike Golick, signed a deal with the Steelers. Um, I think that's a bit of an uphill battle for him, but um, it's a pretty good team to go to if you want to learn how to play offensive line. Braxton Cave signs with the Browns. Um, it'll be of an interesting case, you know, Centers aren't really drafted very high, although we did see some in this year's draft uh, go pretty high. I think there was one that snuck in the first round of the Cowboys from Wisconsin, but I think Cave is a little overrated in my opinion. I think just being a hometown kid and the tattoos and all that, everyone thought that he was a little bit better than he was, but I think he has a pretty good chance of sticking on a roster um, you know, the Browns aren't really a strong club, so I think he has a pretty good shot to end up being a starter down the road there at center. Elsewhere, let's see. Jordan Cowart, the long snapper, I believe he has a rookie tryout with the Redskins and just found out that John Goodman is heading to Cincinnati. I'm not sure if that's a tryout or if he signed a deal. It's probably the former, so 
we'll see how all these players do over the next few months. Um, I think Eifert and Teo are going to have pretty strong rookie seasons, and especially Teo, I think he's going to put a lot of uh, the past few months behind him here and really thrive in San Diego. All right, let's take a look at Temple now. We still have the long, dark spring and summer until the season starts. You know, I was actually thinking, in the future, would it be a good idea if college football went to games every other week and then dealt with the winter and just strung out the season a little bit longer than it actually is? It's kind of a shame that the season's so long. It's always bothered me. You have other sports like baseball and hockey. The seasons are they seem like they're 10 months long, and we get this three-month window of football, and it's gone before we know it. And now the spring, spring's gone. Spring practices are over. The blue goal game's over with. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more about the roster and what we expect to see in some further podcasts. Um, we've got plenty of time to talk about that stuff. But anyway, I just want to do a quick little preview of Temple. Um, I'll have an article coming out on May 6th. It's a Monday. It's a pretty long article. It takes a look at um, what Temple did last year. Um, they have a new co coaching staff. Steve Adazio was there for two years. He left to take the position at Boston College. Um, he wasn't very popular at Temple. I don't want to say he ran the program into the ground, but after Al Golden left, I think a lot of fans at Temple thought that they were going to be staying at nine, eight, nine one seasons. That actually happened in Adazio's first year, but last year they really struggled. I think they ended up with four wins. Um, I think they played Penn State tough. They started out 2-0 in the Big East, but then they just collapsed, didn't win any, any games in their conference down the stretch. Um, they struggled offensively, running the ball heavily, which is kind of what Adazio does. Um, I think they ran the ball something like almost 70% of the time, which is just absolutely ridiculous that any non-option team would be doing that. Um, so they struggled offensively, but they're a little, even worse on defense. I think um, Adazio and his coaching kind of overshadowed that, but um, they weren't very good on defense last year either. Uh, in that article, I have a, a Q&A session with Mike Gibson from the website Temple Football Forever. You should check that out. Um, I was actually pretty excited to find that online. He does a really good job covering Temple football, and he does a little bit of basketball coverage. So if you want to learn some more about Temple, I think I got a lot in this article. But if you want to learn more over the next few months, check out that website. Again, it's called Temple Football Forever. Um, just taking a look at the roster real quick. I have a little preview for you. Uh, they have a, a little bit of an interesting situation at quarterback. They had a kid named Chris Coyer who started most of the games last year. Um, and then towards the end of the year, I think he was banged up a little bit, and he split some time with a kid named Juice Granger. Um, they're both dual-threat quarterbacks. Uh, they ran a lot, obviously, in that system that Adazio had. They were really bad at throwing the ball. I don't I don't think they had more than like a thousand yards passing. I don't know if that's correct, but off the top of my head, they just had a, a ridiculously no, no, low number of passing yards. So with their new coaching staff, uh, Matt Rule's coming in. He's from the New York Giants. Um, he actually 
was at Temple for quite a while. He started with Al Golden, and then he stayed on during the first year with Adazio, and then he went and was an assistant uh, offensive line coach, I think, with the, the Giants last year. Now this is his first year head coach at any level, so he's bringing the Giants offensive system with him. Um, so that's going to be, you know, throwing the ball a lot. Um, I'm talking to Mike Gibson from Temple Football Forever. He thinks it's going to be pretty much just a mirror image of the New York Giants offense. Um, so he wasn't, they're not sure if they have the right quarterbacks. And so um, both of the quarterbacks I just mentioned, Granger and Coyer, have actually fallen down the depth chart, which you don't see very often two experienced quarterbacks of playing time. Um, they have a redshirt junior who look, is looking like he's going to be making his first career start at Notre Dame Stadium this year. Um, he's apparently throwing the ball really well, and that's what Temple wants this year. Um, they also have a talented freshman coming in who might see some playing time as well. And it looks like they're going to be doing a lot of shuffling with their roster I know they had a pair of fullbacks, and it looks like they're probably going to be phasing that position out a little bit. I know the, the Giants um, have one fullback on the roster, but it's not a position where they hand the ball off or throw the ball too lots, primarily blocking. So Temple is making some moves with their roster. Actually, during the, the last couple weeks of spring, they moved Coyer, the returning starting quarterback to a tight end H-back position. I think his his days at quarterback are probably over. Probably over. Um, and I guess he's just too good of an athlete to uh, have him sit on the bench, so they're going to try to get him on the field. And they actually have um, Kevin Newsom, another quarterback. He was a transfer from Penn State last year. He's been banged up. I, I don't think he played during the spring. He's been injured a lot. Um, but they're also moving him away from quarterback and into that H-back role as well. So the other big issue with Temple, Temple is uh, the running back situation. They had Montel Harris. I know a lot of Notre Dame fans remember him from Boston College. He was a fifth-year transfer, and he ended up starting at Temple last year. He had a pretty decent season. They're also losing their backup running back, and when you factor in the two quarterbacks that ran the ball a lot, they're losing something like 94% of their rushing yardage, which is pretty insane. I know Notre Dame's losing a lot with Sierra Wood and Theo Riddick leaving, but anytime you're up damn near 100% of your rushing, that's a big issue. Um, you can see in the article that Gibson thinks they're going to have a freshman coming in with a pretty good chance at coming in and starting right away, so... I don't think that's really a good sign for Temple playing the first game against Notre Dame in Notre Dame Stadium with a new starting quarterback throwing his first pass and possibly a true freshman running back making his career debut as well. Defensively, they had a lot of issues, like I said, last year. Um, I think they're losing three out of their four defensive linemen, although they're getting back one lineman from suspension last year. Um so I guess that would probably give them about two linemen, but that one suspended lineman didn't really start before that. So all three starting linebackers are coming back. They had a couple really talented young linebackers who had put up pretty good stats last year, so that's probably going to be their strong point on offense. Um, 
they have some holes in their secondary that they need to fill, which isn't really that unusual. But all in all, I think um, a really early look at them. Um, this is probably going to be a fairly easy game. I put in a, a spread there at the end of the article. Um, I think it's about 23 or whatever, 23 and a half. Uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit higher than that, given that Temple kind of took some steps back and new coaching staff, new offense, new defense, stuff like that. It'd probably be, this could be a bit of a rough game for them. All right, let's take a look at some recruiting now. Um, we had a couple of ver verbals in the month of April. Offensive guard Sam Mustafer out of Maryland. He's pretty highly, highly recruited, highly touted kid. He's um, going to bolster the inside of the line. Um, I know the numbers aren't perfect right now. I know that class from two years ago, we only had two offensive linemen in that class is kind of coming back to bite us a little bit. So it's good to see another lineman verbal. We also had Nick Weischer, tight end out of Illinois. He verbaled not too long ago that tight end Palooza Day where four, I think, tight ends, nationally ranked tight ends verbaled in about a three-hour span. Weischer's a bit of a flex guy, a little bit on the skinny side, but He'll put on weight and um, probably more in the mold of Tyler Eifert, um, big receiver, um, can, can run a little bit after catching the ball. So that's pretty, that's two strong pickups um, in the month of April. I know with a perfect regular season, fans were looking for a lot of verbals in and around the spring game, but I think the staff's going to have to kind of, you know, take it slow sit on some elite kids. That's elite in all capital letters. So depending on the situation, um, they're not going to rush to bring in any verbals. And they're probably going to wait on some of the top 150, top 100 kids who could uh, find their way to Notre Dame depending on how the season goes. It's a bit of a roll of the dice, but if you want to get the top kids, that's something you're going to have to do. It's looking like Quentin Nelson, another offensive lineman. He's a tackle from New Jersey. It's looking like he might verbal at any point, depending on when this podcast is uploaded. He might have already verbaled. But I would expect probably in the next week or two he's going to be joining the Notre Dame class. Um, he has Notre Dame and Ohio State and Boston College, I think, are his top three. Notre Dame's way out in front. Um, he just talks glowingly about Notre Dame and all the Recruiting experts think that he's pretty much a lock to verbal, so that'll give Notre Dame three offensive linemen for the 2014 class. That's a pretty good number. You know, Alex Bars is out there, another offensive lineman from Tennessee. Um, I know he wants to make a decision soon. Be interesting to see what Notre Dame does there. I'm not sure they're really going to push incredibly hard for him knowing that they have a couple other offensive line prospects, especially uh, Braden Smith, the top guard in the country, um, kind of waiting in the wings, but he's probably not going to decide anytime soon. So we'll see how the coaching staff um, works that. If they do get bars, that's going to bring 
the total of the four linemen, and I'm sure they would sit on that number. I think they want four. I think they'll go to five if, if Braden Smith ultimately joins the, the class. <clears throat> um, but that's pretty good offensive line numbers. You got five last year and then four this year as well, and possibly five. That's a pretty good, pretty good offensive line haul back-to-back -back years, and I think it's pretty much needed. Just a couple other news and notes with rec recruiting. Um, Elijah Hood, running back athlete out of North Carolina, is visiting again. Now, this is my top guy for this class. I have to say, for whatever reason, I always latch on to a top running back. And for the past two years, we've swung and missed on the guys that I wanted. Uh, a couple years ago, it was Keith Marshall. He went to Georgia, had a really big freshman year. And this past cycle, it was Ryan Green. Uh, he signed with Florida State, and I expect him to have a really good career as well. This year, it's Elijah Hood. This is his second visit in about a little under two months, I think. Just a great prospect. Uh, he's a little bit shorter. He's listed at about 5'11". I'd probably give him about 5'10". I don't think he's very tall. There was some talk of him playing middle linebacker or linebacker somewhere at another school. Um, but I don't really think his his body type really fits linebacker, especially at Notre Dame, where they really they want middle linebackers that are six two or taller. I know people say, well, Manti was six one, and there's a couple other guys on the roster that aren't that tall, but Hood's legitimately probably under five eleven. So I don't think he really had any shot at playing linebacker at Notre Dame. He recently just tweeted out that he's going to be playing running back. And I think the coaches um, reaffirmed that point to him. Just a really great prospect. He doesn't play very, very good competition um, down in North Carolina, but his numbers are about as good as you're going to find from a running back across the country. Super powerful, great feet. Um, normally, I'm kind of I, I kind of tend towards speed at the running back position. Um, I kind of think power is overrated. Um, I always think speed's a lot more important and power comes from speed, but he really does run with a lot of power. Great great um, base for his gravity, breaks tackles left and right. Just I think he'd be every bit the prospect that Greg Bryant is coming in this year for Notre Dame. I think uh, Bryant's probably going to come in and get starter minutes at some point this year. I know I'm about as high on him as anyone else is, but I think Hood could come in and legitimately push for playing time as a freshman as well. Uh, he's just put together. He's probably close to 220, um, and you can imagine on a 5'10 body, that's, that's a pretty muscular, powerful kid. Um, I know his parents um, – want him to stay close to home. That's why a lot of the experts are thinking he's going to ultimately choose North Carolina, but this visit apparently has gone really well. His parents like Notre Dame a lot, so hopefully there are some positive news out of that recruitment. I know he's not going to be um, choosing anytime soon, so we'll see. It might drag out into the into the fall. If it does, I would expect he'll take a, a visit to Notre Dame, an official visit, and also visit to North Carolina, so we might have to just bide our time with his 
with uh, with Hood there. It's kind of crazy to think about, but you know, running back really hasn't been a position that Kelly recruited very well up until this recent cycle. So you could be looking at um, Greg Bryant and Terry and Folston coming in this fall. And if you can imagine Elijah Hood signing and Nathan Starks running back out of Bishop Gorman and Las Vegas signing as well, that'd be four running backs with unbelievable talent, unbelievable skill. And I don't think we've seen four running backs like that in back-to-back classes at Notre Dame and probably early part of Lou Holtz's career, if not um, even longer before that. So hopefully we'll have some good recruiting news coming up in the in the future with Quentin Nelson. I don't really expect um, this to be a super busy spring and summer. I think the staff's going to evaluate a lot of players. Um, just looking at some of their needs, um, they already have two verbals on the defensive line. I think they're probably going to want to target two to three more verbals there. I know that's a lot of linemen in this cycle at probably about 9 or 10 if you combine the offensive and defensive lines, but it's needed. I think when you look at Knicks, it's probably a lock to leave next year. Um, he's probably going to be going in the first round. I wouldn't say he's going to be a top 15 pick, but um, I think NFL would be pretty dumb to not pick him in the first round. And then obviously Stefan Tuitt, a defensive end, he plays a position that's a little bit more coveted. His skill set, I mean, he could legitimately go in the top 10, um, especially if he has a big year. He was pretty close to breaking the sack record last year. Um, he didn't really have a great end of the season, but now we know he had that injury that he was dealing with. So you never know. He could he could put a serious hurting on the Notre Dame record book by the time he's done, and I would probably say he's probably 80-85% chance that he's leaving after next year as well. So you're looking at two big holes on the defensive line, so you're going to want to boost those numbers, and I really think this is a really good defensive line class for Notre Dame. There's lots of kids that are interested, uh, lots of talent out there. This is this is a class where they can bring in four or five really good players and hopefully get you know a couple of them to to play as freshmen or try to break into the rotation. I know Jay Hayes is pretty physical, and I think he has a pretty good shot, and so does um, Andrew Chambretti, the two verbals they have right now. That's a pretty good start for defensive line recruiting. Um, at wide receiver, we have Justin Brent already verbaled. He's out of Indiana. I expect him to blow up over the summer. I think he's really talented. I think his ranking was pretty low to start with, but he's starting to rise. Um, I don't think he plays great competition in Indiana, but he's turned some heads at some camps, and he's really big, 6'3". He's athletic. So I expect him to do uh, his, his rankings to rise throughout the spring and summer. I think two more wide receivers is probably where they want to go. Um, I mean, looking at the loss of Ferguson and Neal, that is pretty much a guarantee at this point that they're going to be targeting a lot of receivers. If you look at the big board and all the targets they have out, there's a ton of wide receiver and athlete targets. A lot of scholarships given out to kids that could play wide receiver. Um, 
I think there's also a few that are officially listed as cornerbacks that they might be looking at at wide receiver as well. So I think that's another uh, position to to focus on over the next five or six months. Um, quarterback's going to be an interesting one to watch. They still only have one offer out to Brandon Dawkins out of Thousand Oaks, California. He goes to the high school that Jimmy Clausen went to. I'm not really super high on this kid. He's um, he's big. He's athletic. I think he could be a good fit for the offense, but I don't think that he's the type of quarterback that's going to come in and really challenge for any minutes in his first year or two. Um, I think he's pretty raw, and uh, I think the rankings are kind of showing that fact. He was rated really high early on in the process. I think he was up near 950 in the 247 composite ranking. He was the number one dual-threat quarterback, and since then, I think, after watching his junior year, um, he's slipped a little bit. He's about, I'm thinking, he's at about 910 now, and he's the number nine dual-threat quarterback, I believe. So I think Notre Dame's in a good spot with him. Um, I wouldn't expect if he was to ultimately come to Notre Dame that he would push for playing time early on, but he might be the type of quarterback that they'd want to work on and um, work on some of his skills and his throwing motion and stuff like that. And he might be a good pickup for down the road after the Golson and Zaire eras are complete. Um, I know the coaching staff is out there with more offers in hand, but they're being really conservative. Um, Personally, I don't think that they're going to really push for a quarterback that hard in this 2014 class. They're in really good. They're in a really good spot with uh, 2015 quarterback Jack, Jack Beneventi out of Illinois. He's really tall, six five, six six kid. Really skinny at this point. Obviously, he's only a sophomore, but they really like him. He really likes Notre Dame. It wouldn't surprise me if they get a verbal from him at some point. I know he said he was going to wait until maybe next spring to make a decision, but I think he's one of those kids that could be like Steve Elmer and verbal upwards of 15 months or whatever before signing day. So I think um, maybe this fall, I think they're probably going to wait that long to really seriously look at quarterbacks. So we'll see if they hand out any more offers there. I wouldn't expect any more than four or five. Um, depending on how everything breaks with the, the coaches and the scouting and whatnot. And the last position, uh, obviously, is middle linebacker. Um, Teo is a big loss, but Fox and Carlo Calabrese coming back is really huge, but they're both going to be leaving after this season, and that's going to leave a lot of holes at middle linebacker. I know that with some of the depth chart engineering we decided we thought that Randolph, an incoming, incoming freshman, would probably move to middle linebacker. I think that's a, probably a smart move for the coaching staff. I think he fits he fits there pretty well. Um, you have Deeb, Deeb coming in this year. Um, I think he's probably going to be on special teams right away, and um, I don't think he's going to get any minutes, uh, regular minutes at middle linebacker, but definitely the year after next, he's probably going to be in line for some starting minutes. And the uh, staff already has uh, Martini, Verbold, out of Virginia. So I would expect them to look at least 
at two more middle linebackers, but it's one of those positions where, you know, there's not a lot of high school kids who are out of the box ready to go middle linebacker. So I know it's pretty tough for them to recruit for that position. There was some good news recently on Dante Booker. He was on campus, I think, for the spring game. A lot of people thought that he was a Ohio State lock. He's out of uh, St. Mary, St. Vincent, LeBron James High School in Akron. Um, typically, that's a Ohio State territory. But this was his second visit to Notre Dame, and a lot of experts think that there's Notre Dame starting to turn the tide there, so that's pretty good news. He would be a huge pickup. Um, great athlete. He's rated really highly. Um, and they also are looking at Clifton Garrett. I know he was one of those players that everyone thought might be a lock early on in the process. In the past four or five months, have been pretty quiet with him. But there was recently some news that um, Notre Dame's still in his top three, and um, they're still trying to trying to scout him and see how things are going. I know it's probably still a long shot. Um, He's looking at some other schools. I think Vanderbilt's one of the other schools. He's a bit of an odd recruitment so far, but um, those are probably the two right now. I would expect the coaching staff to um, look at some other athletes, maybe try to recruit some bigger players that they could maybe convert to middle linebacker. So I'm not sure if in this class they're going to be literally signing middle linebackers. I think there might be some athletes that they're going to move over. That should about do it for episode number one of the One Foot Down podcast. Um, hopefully this wasn't too boring for everyone. I hope in the future we'll have some guests on and we're going to talk uh, more about the roster and the positions that Notre Dame needs to fill moving forward. Um, we'll have some of our writers come on and at some point we'll have some basketball talk as well. I know the move to the ACC is going to be pretty intriguing for basketball, so we're definitely going to want to talk about how both the men and women's teams are shaping up next year. Um, we're going to continue to cover recruiting, so hopefully um, we can have a podcast out every two or three weeks and give our opinions on some of the, the players that are verbaling or that the coaching staff is recruiting and scouting and whatnot. And... We'll continue to preview some of the teams that Notre Dame will be playing this fall. Again, I'll have articles up every Monday starting in a couple weeks. You can check those out, and once those go up, uh, and as we, as we move closer towards the fall, we'll have some more in-depth coverage on the opponents. Um, and hopefully everyone enjoys the podcast, um, and we'll see you later. Go Irish.